Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Bethesda. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell him you made it. All right, hit another neighbor, tell them you made it. I think since we're all, we made it here that we might as well hear a word from God, amen? Um, yeah, I'm excited about today. And um, normally doing three services, I only get to do one, so I may just have to preach enough for three services. Some of y'all think I'm joking. I, 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 we'll, we'll just see what happens. Um, it's been a crazy week for me, and uh, especially for my wife, just crazy. You know you're fasting and praying when you have to spend uh, all night long in the ER with your three-year-old girl and uh, be transferred to Roanoke and then wake up Thursday with both of us with the crud. So if I just start coughing uncontrollably, uncontrollably I'm going to pass the mic to someone, and you just got to pick up where I leave off. Uh, how's that sound? Today, uh, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series called I Found. And as we were getting ready to start praying and fasting, um, we really felt impressed that the Holy Spirit wanted three things to happen during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, the three areas that we're going to cover. This week in I Found, we're going to talk about freedom. That's one of the areas. Next week, we're going to talk about healing. How many of you understand that it is God's will to heal? Six of you. All right. That's good. That's a start. And then in week three, we're going to talk about direction. And many of you need direction in your life. And so we're going to kick this off by talking about freedom. And I want you to touch your neighbor and just tell them real quick, I found freedom. I found freedom. Now, this, this message today is going to have a theological portion to it, some teaching to it. Um, and then it, it's going to shift about halfway through. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to prophetically speak to us in a very powerful way about freedom and about what he wants to do in our lives this year. Freedom is one of the major themes of the Bible. Freedom is a great biblical word. Um, British author and evangelical theologian John Stott said this, and Billy Graham said this, that freedom could easily be used as a synonym for salvation. How many know that if you're saved, you're free? And that's what it means. And it's amazing how many people think um, who are not in a relationship with Jesus that if, if they come to Christ or accept Christ, that that will somehow constrain their life. That, you know, there's, they think about their relationship with God in, in the realm of rules, in the realm of this is all the things you can do and this is all the things you can't do. And, and a lot of religious folk will make you believe that once you come to Christ, all your fun is taken away. Now, how many know that's not the way this works? That, that when we come to Christ, when we come to God, He opens up a whole new world to us. And it's not a life that, of limitation. And so Christianity is not about keeping the rules. Christianity is about freedom. That's what it's about. It's about freedom in Christ. So I want to go to Galatians chapter 5, and this chapter is so rich that I was tempted to read all of it. And um, instead of reading all of it, we're going we're gonna to do about half of it. Is that all right? Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Paul is telling him here, if you're going to go down the path of the law, and it's all about rule keeping, then you need to know you have to stay and live on that path. Right here is a good place for me to just say, thank God for grace. Right? Thank God for grace. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on, on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for the agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Don't you like how the Apostle Paul is just so straightforward? And he's writing because there were messages infiltrating the church at Galatia. And the messages were trying to take people from grace and faith and take them back under the law. And, and Paul is addressing this head on that if you're going to go down the path of the law, then you have to keep the, the whole law because if you break one piece of the law, you have broken the whole law. And a lot of people don't understand this, that, but according to the scriptures, there were 613 laws. Now, how many of you understand you can't keep all the law if you don't even know all the law? right? And Paul said, if you're going to go down that, that road, then you have to live on that road. And so he's addressing this, and he's letting us know that when we, when we step into that mentality, it's how I was, I was saved in a church, and it was all about do's and don'ts. It was like, like, if you kept the rules this week, then you could come in and praise God, but if you didn't keep the rules this week, then you better just sit there, because you're in trouble. You're in spiritual timeout. But how many of you understand that whether you had a good week, a bad week, whether you did everything right or you done a bunch of stuff wrong, you can still come in and give God praise because of his grace and mercy that, that's in your life. And so a lot of those rules would keep people out of the presence of God. But the purpose of salvation is freedom. The purpose of salvation is freedom. Paul says, stand fast in the freedom for which Christ has set you free. Jesus talked about that whenever he read from Isaiah 61. When he, when he read from that in Luke 4, look at what Jesus said. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Two times in that passage, Jesus says that he came specifically to set us free. 
that salvation and freedom are synonymous. We often say Jesus saves, but we also need to understand Jesus sets free. The purpose of salvation is freedom, and the gospel is a message of grace. That's what the gospel is. The the word gospel means good news. It is a message of God's grace. We don't earn salvation. It is freely given. And and that's where the church I grew up in, um, they would preach that Jesus wants to save you, but then once you got saved, like the same grace that saves you, how many of you understand the same grace that saves you is also the same grace that keeps you? Because if I went home and lived with you for about a month, I guarantee I would find you make mistakes. Sometimes you don't treat your spouse right. Oh, I, 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 can't, I don't have time to meddle. But, but the same grace that saved us is the same grace that keeps us. The gospel is a message of grace. And, and it releases us from every form of slavery. And, and, and we know Jesus sets us free, but I, I want you to understand, he sets us free two days every week. Do you know what two days he sets us free from? Yesterday and tomorrow. He sets us free from the yesterdays in our past, and he sets us free from the fear of our tomorrow so that we can live in the present. How many are thankful that he sets us free two days every week so that we can live in the moment? And so the purpose of salvation is freedom. The gospel is a message of grace. And the third thing here, the goal of salvation is freedom. That has to be the goal. And many wrongly think that the goal of salvation is that we become moral. You, you, you hear people talk about morals. They got good morals. And, and we want to preach a lot of times for people to be moral, to live a better life. Um, church is the place that you come so that you can just be a better person. And here, here's the thing. Every now and then I'll have somebody come and, and, and say, Pastor, you need to preach on this sin. Because somebody in their life's acting up, and so they, you know, now they need me to preach a sermon on that sin. Y'all, y'all wouldn't believe the conversations I get to have with crazy folk. And so church becomes the place where people go to, to get better, to, to adapt, you know, better morals into their life. And the problem is that even a judge in Alabama, this was many years ago, he, he would give a sentence where you could either go to prison or go to church every Sunday for a year. And, the, and that, that's good. That's good. We want people to come to church. But how many of you understand, coming to church will not change you. Just coming is not going to change you. Coming to church will give you the opportunity or the potential to change if you can hear this message of grace and accept Christ into your life. And it's more, this message is more than you and I conforming to a list of do's and don'ts. This is a message of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who transforms us from on the inside because the problem, the problem is not external. The problem is not our behavior. In the church, we're, we're guilty of preaching behavior modification. We want you to change your behavior. 
But how many know, if this has not transformed your heart, I don't care what your behavior is. If it hasn't gotten on the inside of you, it's not going to produce the change that we all want to see. I'm going to skip some stuff here, but, but here's the thing. Here's what Paul said in Romans. Romans 6. Now, I'm not going to skip stuff. I, I got one service. Now, two opposite poles of, of slavery, all right? Check this out. Legalistic form of slavery and the libertine form of slavery. Now, what this means is, it, when we look at the legalistic side, which is what a lot of us grew up in, uh, it was legalistic. You had to do A, B, and C to be in the club. That's why those churches had four people and nobody came. Because you weren't good enough to get in the club. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and this was all about memorizing and keeping the rules. Now, the libertine uh, form of slavery is there are no rules. Like, you can do anything you want to do. How many of you understand both of those are wrong? Both of those are wrong. Here's what Paul says in Romans 6, verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How many of Jesus sets us free, not just from our past, but he sets us free so that we can live in the moment, right? And do the right thing. Here's what he said in Romans 6, verses 15 through 18. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Man, this is so good. Paul is not talking about you can do anything you want to do. And he's not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. He's talking about true spiritual freedom that we have been saved and set free. And, and this happens, the means of this freedom is faith and hope. If you look at verse 6 of that, it, he says this. He says, Christ Jesus neither, neither in circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So our hearts are not transformed because we did the rules. Our hearts are transformed by placing our faith in Jesus, right? That's, how, that's what tr uh, transforms my heart. See, when I look at Christ, I see the depth of God's love. When I look at the cross, I see the depth of my sin. When you look at the cross, you cannot turn from your sin and act like your sin's not a big deal. Sin is a big deal because it destroys our relationship with Jesus. On the, on the other hand, when you look at the cross, you cannot walk away and say, God doesn't love me. How many know the cross reveals how big my sin was, but it also reveals how big his love is. That where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Anybody thankful for grace this morning? Come on, let's give God praise for grace this morning. So by faith, we embrace this, and in hope, we anticipate God's righteousness coming into our lives, that we are no longer bound, we are no longer in bondage, we, are, we have been set free, 
And, and here's the cool thing, and I, had, I used to have to do this because I grew up in such a legalistic culture that I always felt unworthy. But I can remember many, many years ago when I was just understanding this that I would look in the mirror every day and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And do you know how hard that was for me to say at first? Because I felt so unworthy, so dirty, so beneath, you know, God's love in my life. And I had to start making that confession and allow God to transform me from the inside out. And, and faith and hope, listen, it is the engine that keeps us moving toward God. A legalistic approach on Christ, to Christianity demonstrates confusion about the depth of the human problem. Here's the thing. Rules don't change people. It's not an external problem. Laws don't make us better. I don't know why the church looks to Washington to implement laws to change everything. Laws don't change us. I mean, we tell people their whole life, if you do A, B, and C, you're going to jail. You're going to prison if you do this. And how many know we're building bigger prisons? We got laws and people still do it. Because rules and laws don't change. So if I get up every Sunday and all I ever preach is get yourself together. Stop sinning. Turn or burn, baby. It will not produce change in you. Laws do not change people. Paul is saying that all these rules that the Jews were putting on the church in Galatia he was letting them know those, those laws, circumcision, all these laws that they were saying you got to do to be saved. He said all these rules are not going to change you. That the problem is far deeper than just you and I conforming to a set of rules. That this is a deep problem. And, and here's the thing. Legalism is attractive sometimes. It's attractive sometimes because we feel better about ourselves if we know I can check that off and that off and that off. But what it does is it breeds pride in us. It causes us to look down on others that are struggling with some things that maybe we used to struggle with, but now God helped us to get past. But because we're legalistic, we start looking down our nose at people instead of understanding that, that the grace that changed us should be the same grace that we extend to others that are struggling. Legalism is like, give me, and, and a lot of us, the reason it's attractive is we want 10 steps to this and 14 principles to that and 419 ways to change my life. And a lot of that, I'm not saying all that's bad, but I'm saying that rules appeal to our pride. Look at me, I'm doing the rules. You're doing the Daniel fat. Well, I'm doing straight water. Oh, we just love your humility. We all wish we were as spiritual as you. It also gives us the opportunity when we are legalistic to start comparing ourselves with everyone around us. So it, it speaks to our pride because we think, well, I'm better than them because they don't do everything I do. And, but it also speaks to our insecurity because we got, how I many, there's always somebody a little better than you. 
And so it starts magnifying all this stuff on the inside of us. And, and Paul is trying to tell them there is another way. The Holy Spirit is the other way. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of liberty in our hearts. If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't just come on us, y'all. He comes in us. He lives on the inside of us. And, and what's in you can change what's around you. That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so what's in me can change what's around me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. As all of us reflect the Lord's glory with faces that are not covered with veils, we are being changed into His image with ever-increasing glory. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is potential for freedom. There is potential to be set free from all bondages. So it's not about just keeping the rules. Watch this. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our tank up. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm a little pumped up about this. Because a lot of times what we do is we focus on, I need to improve that, I need to fix this, I need to change that, I need to let go of that. But if we could just be filled with the Spirit, it would take care of all that. If we could just be filled with God's presence, it would take care of a lot of the things that we're trying to modify in our life. The life of, the life of spiritual freedom is accomplished by walking in the Spirit. That's how it's accomplished. We overcome the flesh by walking in the Spirit. Do you know 21 days of prayer and fasting, one of the things it will do is help you overcome the flesh and walk in the Spirit. That's exactly what it, it will do in your life and in my life. Now, I'm going to shift gears because we've done a lot of teaching to this point. Now I want to prophetically activate something. Got to set this up. So it's not just about rules, not just about behavior modification. It's about being filled with the Spirit. Now I'm going to go to the Old Testament passage of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. We're talking about freedom. Hit your neighbor and tell we're talking about freedom. We're talking about freedom. It says this, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. I'm going to read it from a different version. It says this, it says, In that day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck, the yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. I love this scripture. The fat is the Lord's. That's what the scripture says. I don't know why everybody wants to be skinny. The fat is the Lord's, right? <laughs> the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing, and it can also be translated as fatness. The yoke describes oppression. A yoke was a device placed upon the neck of oxen for the purpose of binding them. It, it, it's a representation of bondage in our lives. And God says that the yoke that is meant to bind you, the yoke that is meant to keep you in bondage, it would be removed because of the anointing. How many know he's talking about the Holy Spirit? He's talking about the fatness, that, that something happens when we are touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word anointing comes from a, a Hebrew word, 
which, which means to shine, to be oily, or to make fat. All right? Are you following with me so far? Now, here's the thing. Israel, they were under the bondage of the Assyrian army at this point when God gave this word. They were under the yoke of this army. And part of the reason they were under the yoke, not, not, it wasn't just because of the army, it was because of their own disobedience. How many of sometimes the yoke we're under has nothing to do with anyone else? It's decisions we've made that produce our own yoke. And, and, and God is saying, I'm going to remove the yoke, I'm going to remove the burden through the anointing. I'm going to do it through the Holy Spirit is what God is telling them. And I love this because it tells me, first off, that your trouble is temporary. How I many of the devil loves to make you think your trouble is permanent? That you'll never come out of this. You'll always be in that bondage. Your life will never turn around. He always wants us to think that what we're in is permanent. And God lets his people know that in that day, I'm going to destroy the yoke and I'm going to remove the burden. Now, when he says this, what we have to understand, this is a reference not only to what he was going to do for Israel in this situation, but it was a reference when he said in that day, he's referring to the day, specifically the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the people of God. That in that day, I'm, I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the Holy Spirit will destroy yokes and remove burdens. The anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that, that I've been challenged with as our church has grown from 70 people to about 1,200 is that we got so many convert, new converts, so many new people to the faith that they know Jesus, but we've got to introduce them to the power of the Holy Spirit, the one that wants to destroy every yoke and remove every burden. We have to help them take that next step in God. And so, you know, in this season, the church as a whole I believe is under an all-out attack from the enemy. We, you don't have to look very far to see that there are powers of darkness attacking the people of God physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, in their relationships, that, that the, the devil knows, you have to understand, the devil knows that his time is short. He understands that. And so he wants to not just trip you up, but he wants to destroy you. Do you know that? He wants to destroy you. He wants to take as many people out as possible before his day comes to an end. And so he is releasing, you know, all these attacks against the people of God. And how many know that some days the battle is heavy? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some days the battle is just heavy. Some, some days are just extremely hard because you're, you're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting. You ever got to that place where you're just tired of doing battle? Pastor, we need your help. No, I need some help. Y'all never been there though, right? Y'all the spiritual folk that only do water when you fast and raise the dead. But we get tired, and, and there's a sifting process that happens. Look at Luke 22. Great scripture of this. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not and when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. The sifting process is Satan going before God accusing you and I. That's what the sifting process is. To, to prove to God that you are not wheat, you're, you're chaff, which is the worthless part. 
He wants, and he does this by bringing temptation into our life, by bringing trials into our life to cause the chaff or the worthless part or the sin to rise to the top. Because he wants to say, see, God, I told you what they would do. See, God, I, look, they, they took the bait. They took the temptation. He accuses us day and night. And the reason he does that is he wants us to question who we are in God. He wants us to question that who we are and what God is doing in our life. And I just want to say today, now is not the time for us to question who we are in God. Now is the time to rise and shine and let the enemy know you're not backing up. Let the enemy know you're not backing up. He said he is desired to have you. And, and what Jesus was letting Peter know in this, this circumstance, he's not just trying to trip you up, Peter. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you completely out. But Jesus Christ, I, I want to help some people, Christ is not his last name. Christ means anointed one. The one who destroys yokes and removes burdens. We need to understand that when our faith is touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, that there is a manifestation of God's presence that takes us to another level. Now, I, I, I got to say this in a way that you can grab this. Isaiah said, the yoke would be destroyed and the burden would be removed because of the anointing or because of the fatness. Now, just to make sure we don't forget this word, I want you to tell somebody real quick, I'm too fat for the yoke. Oh, that's the wrong neighbor. Come on, find another neighbor. Tell them, I'm too fat for the yoke. Listen, the picture, the picture that God is giving to the people of God is that when you are touched by the Holy Spirit, that you actually swell up spiritually and the yoke that used to fit don't fit anymore. It literally means that you become too fat in God for that limitation to hold you, that bondage to hold you, that addiction to hold you, that crisis to hold you. That the same thing that held you in 18, come on somebody, it's not going to hold you in 19 because you're too fat for the yoke. I, I almost feel like going old school and kicking something. <laughs> too fat for the yoke. The yoke shall not only be taken away, Isaiah said, it will be destroyed. In other words, God is going to place such an anointing on your life. Come on, just put your hand over your heart and say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. A lot of times we look to the preacher. He's anointed. No, you're anointed. You're anointed. And you have to understand your anointing to be able to accomplish your purpose. I believe that as we step into this year, 2019, we have to make a decision that we're going to work with God. We're going to cooperate with what he's doing. And the things that held us in 2018, guys, not going to hold us in 2019. We got to break through the limitation. We got to break through the lid. We, we got to understand God wants to do something awesome in our life. Those family problems just can't fit anymore. Those money problems just don't fit anymore. Why? Because God is taking you to another level. And, and here's the thing I, I have learned. You're not qualified for the next level until you're sick of the level you're on. Some of the trouble in your life, God doesn't cause it, but he will allow certain seasons because he wants you to get sick of where you are. How many know your trouble has a way of pushing you to a higher place? 
Man, you, some people never pray, and then a crisis hits, and now all they want to do is pray. You know, some people can't handle blessing, because if things are going well, they forget about God. So they have to have a constant drama in their life just to keep them close to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't need drama to stay close to Jesus. He's already done enough for me. Come on, He's already done enough for me that if He never does anything else... I can spend time with him and enjoy his presence and give him praise for the rest of my life. So we got to, in order to get to that next place, we got to be tired of where we are. You got to get tired of where you are. The anointing will make room for you is what the scripture teaches us. You don't have to try to make it happen in the flesh. How often do we try to make things happen in the flesh? Not understanding that anything birthed in the flesh has to be maintained by the flesh. But anything birthed in the Spirit, God's going to handle it. And I think sometimes we wear ourselves out trying to make things happen in ourselves, in our own strength, and we end up worn out. The anointing attracts promotion. The anointing attracts favor. The anointing opens up doors that no man can shut. The anointing literally attracts the blessing of God into your life. You don't have to manufacture these things. They, autom- they find you when you're anointed. God's blessings track you down when you're anointed. Many of you are walking, even this morning, you're here, and you made it out of bed and two inches of ice and drove over here and slid over here, and you live in low self-esteem. You live in low self-esteem. You need to allow the presence of God to break that off your life. You're not a second-class citizen. You are royalty in God's eyes. If you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have spilled his blood for you. you you, you got to understand your value and your worth to God. I, I'm ready to walk in a new level this year. And I'm not just talking about speaking into... Because anytime you start talking about the Holy Spirit, everybody all they want to talk about is tongues. Tongues, 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 tongues. But listen, if you speak in tongues but don't have an anointing to destroy yokes and remove burdens, you might as well put the tongues back in the box. The anointing, the Holy Spirit, accomplishes things. It's, he's not just tongues. He is the third person of the Trinity, and He destroys yokes and removes burdens. So I, I want us to step into this, and you know, I'm not interested at this point in impressing people with, with sermons. I, I'm not interested in that at all. I want to make sure that we're hearing what God is saying and we're stepping into it. And listen, like a mighty army, we are all taking our next step. Listen, that's what we're about. We only do four things, guys. We want everybody to know God. That's salvation. We want every person to find freedom. We do that in small groups. Every person to discover purpose. If you're new to Bethesda, you need to be at next step so you, we can help you discover your purpose at the end of this month. And the fourth thing we do is we make a difference. I want us collectively. What would happen if 1,200 people were sold out? Guys, there are only 2,500 people in this town. On Sunday, well, I know we're driving and not everybody's from White Sulphur, but you, you know what I'm saying. This is, this is a lot of people. What if we were all sold out? What if everybody said, I'm going to invest my time, 
I'm going to invest my money, my energy. I'm, I'm going I'm to allow the Holy Spirit to do in me what I can't do for myself, and we're going to move this thing down to full. I really believe we're getting ready to open up this brand-new facility in just about eight, nine weeks, something like that. And when we do, there's going to be a lot of people come and check us out. I believe we've only scratched the surface of what God wants to do. <laughs> only scratched the surface. Now, i got to get back to my text, or we're going to be here all day. Satan comes against us. There are attacks thrown at us all the time. He shouts that we'll never make it, we'll never be able to make a difference, all those things. But look at what 1 John 2, 27 says. It says, but the anointing which you have received of him abides in you permanently. You are not operating in your own power. You're not operating in yourself. You have received an anointing. Now, the, the Hebrew word speaks of fatness or shiny or oily, but the Greek word anointing, it speaks of to smear or to rub. It means an endowment of the Holy Spirit is what it specifically means. It means that God has given you an unction, that His presence is in your life. It literally, that, I want you to get the idea of that being smeared or rubbed into your life by the Holy Spirit. That means everywhere you go ought to be anointed. Everything you touch, you ought to leave residue of God's presence. Every room you walk in, you ought to change the temperature of that room. That's what God wants to do for us. God wants to anoint us with such an anointing that we can literally... Walk into a room and, and change the temperature of that room because of what we're carrying. Some of us are trying to do this in our own power, as I said earlier. Not understand, and, and I'll say it like this. We're trying to do warfare, not understanding our position. A lot of us, when we do warfare, we, we want to point up this at the devil. But you, you need to know we were created a little higher than the, than the angels. Angels are meant to serve or minister to the heirs of salvation. Who are the heirs of salvation? That's you and I. And, and so we, 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 we've lost our position in Christ. Look at Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. It says, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. Christ means anointing. By grace you are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the, the anointing. Christ has been placed far above all principalities. So get this. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right? Not with him. Right now, as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which means the devil's already under your feet. But a lot of us, we have this picture of the devil over us. Instead of understanding in Christ, we are over him. We're, we're not doing warfare from an inferior position. We're doing warfare from a superior position. And when you get that mindset, when you get that, that understanding in your life, then you're not going to be a victim all the days of your life. I'm tired of Christians just being victims. I mean, we need some people. I, I prayed this this morning. I said, God, I prayed, I prayed to God. I said, would you just bless our people to a level that it'll make lost people jealous about your favor? That the world, how many know people take notice of the Jews? 
The Bible told I'm going to have to preach a sermon on that because some of y'all are like, what? Yeah, God can bless you so much that lost people are jealous. And when I say blessing, y'all know by now, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about your relationships are blessed. I'm talking about everything you do is blessed. I'm talking your peace of mind, your health, that they see you and see God's favor on your life. D.L. Moody held up a glass one time, and he asked the people in the congregation, he said this, he said, how can I get the air out of this glass? And one man shouted, he said, suck it out with a pump. Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. After numerous other suggestions, Moody smiled, picked up a pitcher of water, and he filled the glass. And he said, the air is out. A lot of times we're trying to change by fixing this addiction, fixing that sin, restoring that. And I'm not against us working and doing our part, but how many know that if we'll just open our, our, ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to fill our lives, it'll change your relationships, it'll change your behavior, it'll change everything in your life if you just open up yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the worship team to get in place because if they don't, I'm not quitting. Zechariah 4 and 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 59, 19 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I love those verses. I love knowing that God will fight our battles, that he will do things for us that we could never do for ourselves couple Old Testament scriptures I want to read to you and show you something here. Very, very powerful. In Leviticus 10 and 7, he says, You shall not go out. Hit your neighbor and tell him, don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is, this is really good right here. You shall not go out from the door of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the Lord's anointing oil is upon you. Leviticus 21, 12. Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor desecrate, or make ceremonially unclean the sanctuary of his God. For the crown or consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. You say, that's, that's, that's weird verses you're reading out of. I don't like Leviticus, Pat. But I want you to see something with these scriptures, even in the book of Leviticus, of what happens when there is an absence of the anointing. When the anointing is absent, death takes place. The reason churches are dying and closing their doors every single month is because the anointing is gone. The presence of God is gone. Many people are dying spiritually because they've lost the presence of God. They've lost the anointing of God in their life. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But I want to encourage you. Don't lose the anointing. Don't lose the presence of God. If this church can learn to host the Holy Spirit, 1,200 people will be at 2,500 people. There, there are people all over the world looking for a place where they can listen, not just hear about God, but go and experience God. And we get this opportunity to provide a place where people can step out of their addiction, their trouble, their crisis, and literally step into a place where the anointing can destroy every yoke and remove every burden. 
just to show you what I'm talking about, as I've been preaching, three people have already given their life to Christ watching online. That's the anointing. That, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what He will do. Three people already giving their life to Jesus. See, that's what the anointing does, church. It draws people. It draws people. And I, I, I want to be a church that can host God's presence. You know, we had people come into this place. I know today's different. It feels different. I mean, when you got a, less than a third of, of a crowd, and you know most people are watching online, and, and apparently they're watching. It's a little different, but man, I've had people say, Pastor, I came in there and, and I just, I had never felt God like that. And that, what I'm saying is I don't ever want us to lose that. What it, you know, you say whatever that is, people try to describe it. You know, some people say just the positive energy. We'll, you can call it positive energy. We know it's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We, we know it's, it's the one who destroys yokes. The one who removes burdens. Would you close your eyes with me all over this place and bow your heads? I found freedom. I found freedom. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads? I just want to ask in this environment today, in this service, and speak to those that are watching online. Thank you so much for watching our service today. But I want to speak to those in-house and those watching. If you're in-house and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, it's the best decision you can make is to invite Him into your heart and life. To allow Him to forgive you and to set you free. If you want to know Him as your personal Savior and you're in this room today, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus. I want to know Him today. If you're watching online, our prayer team is ready to assist you. We want to pray with you as well give you an opportunity to receive Christ into your life, anyone at all. I know we have four online now. Awesome. Anyone in-house? Like, well, Pastor, it's a blizzard outside. It's, it definitely saved people. You're probably right. But I want to give anybody an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life. All right, let's pray with those four people online. I want every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart. I repent of my sins, and I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give those four people a big hand. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Now, here, here's the thing. We get an opportunity now. Our prayer team and staff are going to come forward. We end every service with a time of worship. We do one more song, but we also open up these, these altars so that we can pray for people and with people. How many of you will take your level of worship up with me for this last song? Come on, let's give God the best praise we have all day, church. Come on.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.